everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Bikini and the Brain podcast. My name is Ashley Kaltwasser, and I'm here with Adam Bonia from TeamElitePhysique.com. And today, we're going to go over some common competing mistakes. So since the season has officially started, yeah, last weekend, first show of the year here in Vegas. Yes. It was the Legends Classic, and Courtney um, won the amateur... uh, wellness division at the show which was pretty incredible yeah her overall title there yeah her first wellness show her first wellness show overall title Yay! i'm very happy about that so yes. you you posted i believe somewhere that you said for the past how many years four years now we've four won years an overall or we've won the overall we actually won the overall wellness twice the overall in bikini three times in two of the two <clears throat> pro bikini shows you yes. won it once phoebe won it once or was it you won it twice if you won it once I can't remember. Yeah, it's so. There's, <laughs> we've won um, almost. Yeah, we won at least an overall. And we got to keep that going for as long yes. as we can. Four years, four years running so far. So yes. I'm happy about it. Hopefully, they bring a pro bikini back. Because <sighs> man, know. I would have loved to compete here in my hometown. Yeah. Um, the first show of the year, I always like to get in early. So, um, yeah, but they took pro bikini out, so I couldn't do that. So I couldn't even defend my title. Yeah, I know. Hopefully oh, they bring that back next year. That's a fun, like, get the show year started. Because yes. a lot of these girls, they, they're ready at this point, and they can't get started because the only option is the Arnold. And, you know, only 10 girls or so are going to get invited to that. So, but, yeah, yeah so we're, I'm excited. Actually, it's funny as I was talking to, I think it was, it's funny because at the end of the year, you don't go through this like I go through it. You're, you're always like ready to go. That's the thing about you. You're just like, as soon as the show's done, no matter what time of the year it is, you're like, I don't need a break. I just want to go. But at the end, every year, at the end of the year, when all the shows like accumulate, I'm like, man, it's so hard. <laughs> like, I, can't, I just need a break. I just need a break at the end. And then um, it's funny. I'll be talking to, I'll, I was talking to James too. He was saying, he's like, man, it's so, t- so tiring at the end. Of, by the end of the year, we're both like just exhausted. And um, I'm like, yeah, we're like, I don't know any, how many years I got got in me doing and then like two weeks later I'm like damn it where are the shows <laughs> like I can't live without this where are the shows again yeah. like I need like five days like 10 days tops yeah. where I'm like I need a show now and so it feels like forever for yeah it is nice to compete here in the hometown isn't it convenient you can oh, just be like best. yeah let me just go home between prejudging finals or whatever you know so. yeah yeah it's this, this is uh I'm, I'm so happy that you know it's funny because we moved here in 2020 you moved here 2019 I think or 2020 no uh, 2020 2020 and it wasn't like this, you know, it wasn't like fitness like this. It wasn't, you know, then we moved here and then the next thing you know, Fit Club opened up. We bought a building, then Fit Club opened up, then Dragon's Lair opened up, then Powerhouse opened up. Um, now Elevation's here. All the all these fitness competitors moved from LA to here. All the shows are, are here. It's crazy like how fitness mecca Las Vegas has become just oh, yeah. over the last three years. It used to be Venice and now it's like, never mind, it's, it's Las Vegas. Yeah. I, I do miss the uh, the Venice the Venice like kind of like pilgrimage type of thing that people would do. That was actually really fun, but that's dead now. Yeah. Where we would go, I mean, it, it happened every year, and that's where I really got into bodybuilding when I was like a, like a young guy. Um, everyone would from all these other countries would go out to L.A. for the week of the Olympia. They'd come out for like a ten day period, and you'd have all these countries. It was so cool. Like these countries would go to um, Gold's Venice. And they'd all work out for a week. They'd all eat at Firehouse. They'd all go to Venice, like Beach Boardwalk. And like just bodybuilders were everywhere for like, I don't know, five days a week. And then that that Thursday or Friday, usually that Thursday, everyone would just drive to Vegas, right? And Because there wasn't like any bodybuilding gyms out here. So no one would stay out here. Mm-hmm. And then it was just this whole like world kind of pilgrimage from Venice Beach to Olympia. And then they'd fly from Vegas home. And it was like a cool thing. So I'd always go down to Venice Beach when I was a kid and and see all these people and you see all these who the next bodybuilder is that's here or whatever it was like this fun like pre-show type of thing when you're like you know a fan mm-hmm. um so now now that happened in vegas so hopefully i'm excited that next year it'll be back in vegas I yes think. olympia yes yes but um yeah so I'm, I'm i'm pumped for the season i'm excited again for the season i can't Woo. wait and then we have the arnold coming up i know less than two weeks oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness how are the feels um I'm pretty worn down right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty worn down, not going to lie. Um, but I'm also, you know, like, just like you said, looking forward to getting the season started. So not even just with the Arnold, but everything else that follows that. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good, good season. And I can't wait till just like when I'm in shape and then like contest ready shape and then just kind of like maintain it. It's always the hardest the first show of the year to get into contest prep shape but i'm really good at keeping it once i get it so yeah, i think people don't understand that about you um 
I think they think it's easier for you because you just compete so much. And I'm like, it's, I'm like, she's, she's able to maintain because she's really dedicated, but she's not an easy loser. Yeah. We've kind of come to that conclusion. You're not an easy loser. You're not a, you're not a easy, easy gainer. gainer. Yeah. Except for the hamstrings. The <laughs> yeah. Well, also body fat too. I would say, I would also oh. argue like, I don't easily, like, it's not like I'm, I take two days off from a diet and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Blew up. I don't blow up, yeah. but I just kind of like, it's hard for me to lose, hard for me to gain. So. Yeah. But easy. Yeah. Not easy, but you're able to maintain because your dedication, I think is actually, we, I guess we really don't even know the theory of, is it easier for you to maintain genetically or just because you're always eating clean and working out? Cause you're, you don't ever test if you're going off plan, you're always on plan for the most part, which is, which is, you know, a testament. So it's kind of hard to, to see, I guess, in full analysis of that. <laughs> True. Well, I will say it, you know it better than me. I don't have the fastest metabolism. I think it's like average. Honestly, it's not bad. It's just not, not like one of those. It's not like Elizabeth where I can have like 3000 calories or whatever the yeah. heck. That's I, not I will my jam. I will say for how long you've dieted though, uh, pretty good metabolism for how long you've dieted all things considered like yeah. accumulate accumulated time dieting when you call it diet years mm -hmm. pretty significant you know because that's i call this thing diet years which is so there's two different things i talk about which is workout years and diet years it's kind of my own thing i kind of came up with a way to, to identify so workout years is uh, or workout age we call it and it's not has nothing to do with your actual age it has to do with your accumulated time working out and if you have like a high workout age, like, so for me, for example, I have a high workout age. I've been working out since I was 13 years old. I'm 40. So I got 27 year old workout age. Right. So for me, putting on muscle at a fast rate is not going to happen. I've, I've just too much experience lifting. My body's kind of set where it is. And if I want to gain, I have to really focus on it. I'll gain, but it's not going to be anything incredible. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you're not going to see me put on 20 pounds of muscle like overnight. It's just not going to happen. So but also for me to lose that muscle, pretty hard to do too. Like I, it's like, I can kind of mess around and keep this. Like, I don't really need to do too much to like stay here. You know, I could probably do three times a week if I wanted to and just kind of mm -hmm. stay here. So, because I've, I've kept it for so long, you know, so, um, that's the, that is the benefit there too. But the diet age is, is kind of the same thing where if you diet for, let's say if you had a 27 year diet age, you'd probably be pretty low in calories, like on a, on a regular day basis. And for you to lean out really fast is probably not going to happen either. Your, your body, you know, recognizes the signals of you dieting and trying to preserve yourself. You're always at this really low body fat and you just leaning out super, super fast, probably not going to happen mm -hmm. as fast as it would have if you had no, no diet, a zero diet age, right? right? So, so yeah, so those things taken, taken into account, you know, considering, uh, just considering how long you diet per year, mm -hmm. uh, pretty good metabolism though. Not yeah, bad. I'm yeah. not complaining. And you know, we, we all have our pluses and minuses, you yeah. know, not everyone is like got everything going for them. Yeah. Everyone has a flaw. Um, everyone has a hard time with something. Everyone has a body part that's stubborn. Everyone has a, a body part that just wants to hold on to fat more than the others, you know? So we all have our things, but we gotta work with what we got, you know, and use our advantages, uh, wisely yeah <laughs> and my advantage is maintaining so i'm gonna use that wisely it is true it's true it's kind of it's fun it's like it's like uh when you look at sports like they have everyone has their thing like you'll have let's say like you have a a center in, in basketball who's like a big guy but he's not the fastest right he's not the athletic guy he's not a kobe bryant right and then you have your athletic guy like and everyone works to their strengths and it's kind of cool yeah. our sports like that in a different way mm -hmm. you know some people just you'll you'll only see them some bikini pros or whatever, you might only see them compete twice a year because they're not able to do the run like you are. And um, yeah, so it's kind of cool to, to see where they focus on their strengths and weaknesses. And some girls just have really good shoulders. So they're always doing glutes. And like, it's like a, it's a cool yeah. thing. Yeah, it is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. It's really fun to make it like unique. I think it's fun for people to see like who they're like too. Yeah. And then kind of follow what they're doing and follow their journey along too. So definitely, yeah. Definitely. So anyway, that was fun. That was a fun start. I like that. That's a good catch up talk. Yeah, it's a good catch up because <laughs> I am not going to be here next week because I will be in Ohio. So yeah, you guys won't hear from me for a few weeks until I get back. And then we'll do like an Arnold recap likely yeah. for the podcast. But um, you have something else planned, I guess, for next week. Anyways. Yeah, I'm going to post up. We did an interview with Robin a little while ago who runs the Wasatch. It's a cool, it's a cool interview um, for our podcast, for the regular podcast listeners that aren't on. It's already on YouTube. But um, yeah, this is cool. It talked about her going from being a NPC competitor to getting a pro card to becoming uh, a judge to now becoming a promoter and kind of her whole career through it. I think it's cool. It's a cool story because I feel like a lot of people want to do this as a career, but they don't know where to go. And a lot of people don't want to coach because what's funny, I find a lot of people don't want to coach or train because they feel like if they focus so much on the 
athlete like part of it that they're going to lose the interest of them being an athlete themselves. Like they're going to like, I don't want to be so, I want it to be something different because I don't want to be so focused on my life on that. So it's a, it's a really common thing that like this needs to remain fun and not work for me and I just need it to be something different. So that's when people get into video or get into, you know, clothing and things like that and promoting, you know, stuff like that. So Definitely. yeah. Good. Well, um, let's go ahead and get on into it. So let's talk about some of these common competing mistakes that we see a lot, you know? Um, and let's begin with like prep itself, you know? I think first and foremost, the basis of everything is, you know, working with a knowledgeable coach. So one mistake one might make is working with somebody that isn't knowledgeable in the sport, maybe working with somebody that doesn't have the experience, or maybe they're a great nutritionist or a great trainer, but is not familiar with the world of physique sports. Yeah, that is a, that is a tough one. Um, you know what? I want to, I want to go in a little bit into dive into this one a little bit story-wise. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Uh, you're probably a really good diver at this point. You practice <laughs> every Monday. <laughs> the, um, this is where people get lost, I think, especially because even when I was first training, when I was first training, I thought, okay, the best way for me to be the best coach I could be is just just research, 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 studies, like, and that's going to be my competitive edge, right? And that's that was when I was young, like, it was the way that I got in with the bodybuilders is knowing this stuff. I was like, you know, I was like really young doing this. So for me, I just wanted to get like the respect and have friends of like these older bodybuilders and I would research all this stuff and learn it. But then the farther I got along in my career, I realized that very little of that research actually applies. And so the, the problem that people see is they'll watch these, you know, like experts that read studies and these expert nutrition people who are experts. I'm definitely not saying they're not experts, um, very highly educated people. But when it comes to practical application to extreme physique sports, which ours is, almost zero relevance of those studies to this. Very little of it does. And then you get these people who are not prepping people. Um, who, like I talked about that last, there was a podcast I saw the other day and this guy, this girl called in and she's like, yeah, I'm up my prep coach and I'm 12 weeks out. And the guy before asking anything was like, you better be over at 2,500 calories. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm like the, the amount of people who are actually at 2,500 calories that are doing a bikini prep 12 weeks out from a show is like micro fractions. Of it's, it's, it's such a few amount of people, unless they're, for example, unless they're like Ashley and going from show to show to show and just happens to be 12 weeks out, maybe, you know, but more times than not, they're going to be, you know, and actually not even 2,500 calories for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just so rare that you're going to be cutting at 2,500 calories. So like just, so the problem is someone like that sees that and they're like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. Right. I'm supposed to be doing it. I'm like, good luck. Go, go ahead and try that. See what happens. You know? And that's the problem is people get that information from their, they're watching the wrong sources. They're not watching the people who are winning and doing things at the pro level. And then, and that's always my argument. I'm like, okay, show me that study where you see a bikini competitor at 14% body fat do that same thing in that same way and get that same result. Like, good luck finding that study, right? And why aren't you producing anyone on the top level? Why is it, why is it only at these natural shows where you do okay type of thing, you know? So it's, it's, a, it's, it's something that I feel like people really need to research and like not just research the researchers, but research like what people are actually doing, you know? And I think that that's like a good rule of thumb for you because there's going to be some bro science that makes sense. And, you know, the, the science people coin it as bro science and just cut to discredit it. But a lot of times they're right. <laughs> like, like a lot of times they're right. I mean, I used to think that the, I would, I went through this phase where I was like, these bros are stupid, you know? And, um, and then like, I've been doing it so long that I saw a lot of the stuff the bros did ended up being right and proven, but it was like 10 years later. Right. And I was like, man, they had it way in advance. Like, and so now you see it and you're like, okay, it happens all the time. They're always right. Like they're, I mean, not, sometimes they're stupid. Yeah. Sometimes, but for the most part, they've kind of figured this science out like in advance because they're always trying new things. So, so that's something I will say is to is make sure that if you are what you're doing, you're reading, you're looking at the right resources. You're looking at people who are actually winning, who are actually doing it, not just saying what should be done, but actually winning, actually doing it. And you're going to find a completely different, um, just a different path, you know, just a completely different path. So yeah, I, I think that one's important to get out there because oh, people definitely. are so, they're like, you know, you see these message boards or whatever, and they're like, oh, yeah, my coach is killing me. I'm at, I'm at 2,000 calories, and I'm only 16 weeks out. And I'm like, yeah, so? <laughs> I'm like 2,000. Cool, you're going to have fun the yeah, next, good luck, the next you're, few months. Yeah, your reality that you're walking into, if you want to be anywhere near stage shape, is not going to be fun if you're complaining at 2,000 calories, you know? so <laughs> Definitely, definitely. 
Well, I would say the next uh, common mistake, and, and I see this happen so often, is um, people, you know, girls will see shows happening and they get so excited and they want to jump in right away, but they don't have the muscle development needed to then start cutting. So, you know, I'm sure you see it all the time. Some girl will get so excited because maybe she watched the Arnold and it's like, I want to be just like those girls. And then she wants to sign up for a show that's in 12 weeks. And she's like, yep, I want to do this show in 12 weeks. I'm going to sign up with you now. And she does not have the muscle for it quite yet. She might be new to um, working out and training like a physique competitor, you know, because there is a difference between training like a physique competitor and training for, I don't know, uh, yoga or, or cycling or anything like that. It's, it's different. Um, so a lot of times they think that they have enough muscle and they don't. So before you start cutting, you need to make sure you have the muscle um, underneath. Yeah. That's a, that's, you pretty much nailed that one right on the head. Um, one of the, one of the things I will say is don't overcommit yourself if you're not ready yet and you don't, you know, and your coach should be honest with you because this is what I tell the coaches. I'm like, the clients are going to find out one way or the other, whether, whether you aren't brave enough to tell them that they're not going to be ready or they find out the day of the show. And it's much worse to find out the day of the show that they're the least fit person at the fitness contest, you know? Yeah. And so we have to understand what we're actually doing with that. And, and I'm all about transformations. I love doing transformations. One of my favorite things to do, um, sometimes more rewarding than winning overalls and stuff. I love transformations. But if, so, if, you, if you have 80 pounds to lose in a transformation or 60 pounds to lose in a transformation, just because you lost 30 doesn't mean it's time to get on stage. You have 30 more to go to before you're competing against the best physiques in the state, right? Or in the world sometimes. So just don't get, don't overcommit yourself. You know, don't uh, register for the show. That's one of the biggest things is sometimes people, before they even sign up with like coaching, they'll, they'll register for a show and like, well, I already paid for it. Well, then, then I guess lose that money. It's still less money to lose on that entry fee than it is on the hair, the makeup, the tan, the suit, you know, the travel, the hotel, the food, whatever. Like you're still going to save money rather than just lose and have a bad experience because no one wants to be unprepared at a fitness competition. It's not the place to display your transformation. They have specific places for that. They have transformation challenges. You could do a photo shoot, but when you're competing in physique sports and you're competing against the best physiques in your state, you should be ready for that because it is a contest, you know, mm -hmm. just like any other sport. I wouldn't just jump into a basketball tournament playing basketball like my first month and not really knowing anything. I'd probably I would cost the team, like cost the team a win, and, but I probably I could potentially even get hurt. You know, like I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do. Like I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> like I guess it's not as not as dangerous a sport as like hockey. But that would, you know what I mean. But but that's what, it's a, it's the same it's the same thing. You wouldn't jump into just jump into a sport because you kind of know what you're doing because you're kind of halfway there. You know, so um, it's the same thing. Yeah, with physique sports. So just understand when you're going to get ready on stage, you're going to be competing against the most fit people in the state. That is who competes, the most fit people. It's not someone who's just started. It's people who've been doing this for years. They've got a goal on, on mind and hope maybe a lot of them want to go pro one day. It's not a transformation contest on stage. So don't overcommit yourself. Don't enroll for a show until it's time for you to enroll for the show. Uh, you know, you're not going to save any money if you enroll six months out versus a couple weeks out. I think usually if there is a money savings, it usually is like a month or, or so out like the, uh, early bird registration. So, so wait, wait till your coach says, okay, green light, you know, and then, and then go for it. Mm -hmm. And another thing to note is the great thing about competing in the NPC is there shows every weekend, yeah. every weekend. So the shows aren't going anywhere. Okay. You'll have many opportunities to compete what, whenever you want during the year, yeah. you know, or next year, just know that they're always going to be there. You know, it might require you to travel a little bit, but then again, just like you said, well, you know, is the money, you're going to save more money if you just wait anyway. So, yeah. you know, um, I, I just, it, the shows aren't going anywhere. <laughs> so please just take your time, especially if you're new. Yeah. Uh, and another thing you went into on that too, was like the, the muscle thing, which I think we should go into real quick too. I'm just going to, um, just chat on it. It's here's the thing, especially with like, this happens a lot more now with women than it was happening before so you'll have a lot of women now who want to do wellness mm -hmm. that are that are not even muscular enough for a bikini you didn't really have this before wellness because you would have you would rarely have someone doing figure that wasn't 
muscular enough for figure. Like it was pretty rare because it wasn't as, it's not as desirable as wellness, I think. And so people, a lot of people want to look like wellness competitors, but then they don't even have enough muscle for a bikini. But before it wasn't, it, you didn't get so much action in the figure. I didn't get the, as many girls saying, oh, I'm going to go and compete in figure when they didn't have enough muscle for a bikini. Like it was like a clear defining factor. But I think a lot of women will think that because their legs are a little bit softer or their glutes are a little bit softer, like they just hold body fat in their legs and glutes. They're like, oh, I'm wellness. I'm like, no, you're just out of shape bikini right now. And then once you get in shape, you're probably going to need more muscle just to max out bikini. So you're not ready for wellness yet either. And I'll get it. With, I, used to, I used to get it with a lot with guys too who want to do classic physique. They're like, well, I got legs, so I want to show them. And I'm like, I don't care if you got legs. <laughs> like, you're still too small for men's physique. What do, you, what do we need to see your legs for? <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's cool. I want to be a bodybuilder too, but I'm not going to go compete against Ronnie. Like, it, I'll tell you how that's going to go right now. <laughs> so it's, it doesn't make sense. You know, stick to the division that you're ready for. Even if you, you want to do another division, you know, like I competed in bodybuilding until men's physique was around. And then when men's physique was around, I was like, I was, I was for sure men's physique. I was like, I'm so thankful men's physique. I was never, I was, I was too tall to be for my weight in bodybuilding. Cause I was like a middleweight. And I was like, I just never filled out my frame as much as the bodybuilders did. And I was always like one of the smaller guys that I had to do it off conditioning. So when men's physique came around, I'm like, this is perfect for me. Right. I would, I, but I wasn't dumb enough to realize, like to not realize, oh, I'm just going to go and stay in bodybuilding because like, I kind of got legs. Like, who cares? Like show them in pictures or something, you know? <laughs> so, so men too, you know, if you're not big enough for, Classic physique, stay in men's physique. Women, if you don't have the legs and glutes for wellness, stay in bikini. Um, you know, look at the pictures of the girls that are winning these wellness shows and the classic physique shows and just be realistic with yourself and, and you know, be honest with yourself. I think it's really important to be honest with yourself. Have a little humility and be like, you know, I'm not there yet. One day I'll get there, but I'm just not there yet. And uh, and it is what it is, you know. It's Because it's, I, I have girls who want to do wellness who are not even muscular enough to compete for an overall in bikini. And I'm mm. like, what are you, what are you, what are we doing here? You know, yeah. like let's, let's play the sport the way it's designed, like where you're ready for right now, you know, we'll get there. But it, that wellness physique is not going to happen in a year. That wellness physique is years of working out. I mean, they are jacked. So yeah, I, I agree too. It's like, you do see those girls that's like, yeah, I'm a little softer in my legs or whatever. And they think it's muscle. It's, it's once you get lean there, bikini yeah physique. Like, you know yeah. what I mean you know I think it's pretty common for a woman to hold more weight in their thighs and glutes anyway yeah so that just know that that's <laughs> that doesn't always uh, translate to muscle once you get shredded you know yeah. so. I just one client she was really funny she was I'm not gonna say her name but it was she was in Denver she was she said it out in posing class too and it was like hilarious and she was like um when she first started she was like I'm gonna do wellness and uh you know and, and even I was like, well, maybe, I don't know. Cause she had, she, she held body fat really nice, mm -hmm. like really nicely held body fat. And, um, then she started leaning out and leaning out more and leaning out more and her glutes started getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then like at posing class, she was like, yeah, it was in front of everyone. It was so funny. She's like, I'm just going to do bikini. She's like, come to find out that was just a bunch of fat in my ass. <laughs> and everyone was cracking up. Oh, we were laughing. Love so the honesty. Yeah. But she was so cute about it. It was just so oh. funny. Like I always remember that, that moment. Um, it was hilarious, but she was super honest with herself and, and was like, yeah, I just didn't even, I just really hold body fat. Well, I'm like, Hey, if you're going to hold it, that's the, that's the place, <laughs> that's the place to do it. You know, so. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. Yep. That's my, it might, you might just be a bikini competitor after all. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the next thing uh, to go over, and this is probably something we talk about more than anything, so we don't have to go that far into it, but it has to be said, one of the most common competing mistakes is getting too fluffy in the off-season. Yep. We've all seen it happen. We've talked hours upon hours about the yeah. subject, um, but it's a big no-no. It's counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah, without without beating a dead horse here, um, you know, my recommendation is if you're an active competitor, about 10% above your stage weight is about where you should be if you're going to be taking like time in between shows to to make improvements. You really don't need to go past that point. Uh, you know, people are going to make a lot of reasons and justifications of why they should, but honestly, it's justifications. You know, no one needs to put on 20% of their stage weight, um, you know, after a show. They just like to eat and just call it what it is. Hey, I like to eat and... I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get fluffy in the off season and chase my conditioning every time. And if that's you, that's you. That's fine. I'm not a big fan of it, you know, um, but I, I do know that it works for some people uh, because they can kind of like take a full vacation from their diet, basically. Yeah, more of a mental thing than a physical thing. Yeah, it's, it's, that's exactly what it is. It's mm -hmm. a mental thing. It's not a physical thing. Let's call it what it is. You know, you're not at that capacity and strength of adherence to diet 100% of the time. 
I'm not either. Nothing wrong with that, you know, but let's call it what it is. Let's not say, I need this. I need, you don't. That's <laughs> you don't. A cope. Nobody, That's what we call a cope. Yeah, nobody you needs need to gain, yeah, gain that much body. <laughs> Again, you know, no fat has ever been gained or no muscle has ever been gained because body fat has been gained. That doesn't, that does not work that way. Mm-hmm. Two different things. So um, just so we're, just so we're clear, if you just, so if people get the right information out there and they're, they're making sure, you know, if you're, if you're listening to someone that's saying that they're justifying it, if you need that, no problem, but let's be honest, you know, let's be honest about that. It's important. You know, it's going to make you stronger to face the truth than it is to live in this dream of like, oh no, I need this every year. I need to get fat every year and gain 30 pounds. Like you've never needed it. <laughs> get it out there. <laughs> Ashley, you can see Ashley's a living case study. She makes improvements every year. She's not blowing up. You know, there's a lot of, it's becoming more of the trend to not blow up now. Even bodybuilders are doing it. You're seeing bodybuilders now with like abs the whole year, which is cool. Cool to see. I mean, you used to see in my day, you know, it was like, you know, you'd see Lee Priest and all these guys like just blowing up off season. We're like, oh, you have to do that. And it carried over to bikini. And now mm-hmm. it's like, no, science is out there. You know, it's, it's not just out there in science, like the way where I say, don't listen to all the science. It's out there in a way where people are actually doing it at even a lot of muscle levels. You know, even big, big guys, Nick is, uh, you know, Nick is staying in shape most of the year. He's got abs like most of the year, like, you know, not crazy shredded, but abs, he's looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool to see like, hey, even the muscle guys. So if the argument is you can't keep muscle without gaining some fat. There's your case studies for you right there. You know, these guys are doing it. Regan Grimes is looking looking lean all year. Um, Nick is looking lean all year. Lean lean enough, you know, and that's what I'm saying is lean enough. And the same yes. thing applies to bikini at a lower rate, of course. But, um, you know, if those guys are maintaining muscle, you can maintain your 120 pounds of muscle without gaining 40 pounds of fat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the men's physique is fantastic at doing it. They yeah. stay really close to stage from what it looks like. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know. You know, I'm just going off of the social media posts. So who knows how recent those are actually. But it seems like they're really good at staying crispy. And I think a lot of that has to do with their um, – the men's physique guys have – the smallest waistlines like you know they have these tiny waistlines and what's funny is a lot of these bodybuilders use the men's physique guys as examples from their own case studies and their own learning and uh, I remember gosh I wish I remembered the interview but there was a bodybuilder talking about training abs making your core bigger right and he's like I don't know man he's like I used to think that and then I see all these men's physique guys training core every day and they got the smallest waistlines like but what they're not doing is they're not blowing up in the offseason they're not eating a bunch of food. And I think there's something to that on the waistline where if you're always just eating a bunch of food, always having that kind of distended gut, right? Which people used to attribute. And this is something that I'm going to always swear by. People used to always attribute these. When the when you started seeing these big bodybuilder guts, you started having these big channels like like Nick Strength and Power was like these roid guts and all these things saying these, these roid guts. And I'm like, if they were a roid gut, it would be permanent. Like if there was permanent cell growth in their guts, they would always have that for the rest of their life. You can't like reduce organ size if That's it grows. That's true. That's it, really, I didn't yeah. think of it like that. Yeah, because there's a thing called uh, hyperplasia, which is multiplying of cells. And there's a thing mm. called hypertrophy, which is growing a cell, right? Mm. So hypertrophy is what you do. You grow a muscle cell, but you won't have any hyperplasia, which is multiplying of cells. And if you do, it'd be like a, a tiny rate, right? That's where people's like bodybuilders start taking like growth hormones and things like that, where it actually multiplies cells. And then they try to get it bigger by making the cell bigger, right? We just get the cell bigger. We don't multiply cells. So the argument was always, oh, these bodybuilders are getting these roid guts because they're taking growth hormone and it's multiplying their cells and their organs are getting with their intestinal tracts. I'm like, well, okay, well, hold on. Because as soon as they retire and they're not eating as much food, look at Dorian Yates' core now. Look at Ronnie Coleman's core now. Look at, you know, even Dexter Jackson's core is already small again. Like if their guts were growing in terms of cell numbers, it would be permanent. It's the food. They have never been this big as they are now. And they have to eat so much that their guts are bigger and it carries into their, there's, it's not small enough come showtime. It hasn't had enough time of not eating all that food come showtime where it's, it's shrunken down all the way and you still see some distension, right? That makes sense. And I was like talking to you about this uh, last weekend too. It's like, I almost think that sometimes like your muscle builds over top of the distension, which creates a weird shape for the abs too. Now that's not a proven thing. That's just like a, hmm, I wonder if that's another thing too. It's like the, the shape of the abs itself kind of, builds on top of the distension. So even if like, let's say they fasted for a day, which we know bodybuilders don't, cause that's a long time to not <laughs> eat for a bodybuilder. But even then, would it go down completely? Probably not because that muscle is kind of like built on top of it. Like yeah. Shaped. It, it's another, and that's again, that's another one of those things that like a science guy would be like, Oh, it doesn't do that. But then yeah. years later, bodybuilders are like, no, it actually, it looks like it does. <laughs> like, because our stuff is so minimal people, you can't test that. Right. Yeah. So it's like a theory. You just go with it, right? You just like, try it. Okay, let's see. 
So that's the thing. And, and so the same thing, and again, we're taking the most extreme examples and applying it to our sport, which is bikini, right? And some men's physique guys that listen to this too. But we apply it and we say, okay, of course your waistline is not going to be as small as someone who maintained their waistline all year. Why would it be, right? You haven't, like, that's just common sense. Who's going to have better odds of having the smallest waistline on stage? Someone who maintained their weight and their, their weight, the waistline all year or someone who constantly blows up and gets in shape, blows up, gets in shape. I, I could almost guarantee that that girl who blows up and gets in shape, blows up and gets in shape, is probably going to have like a one inch bigger waistline versus a girl who's always in shape and is just naturally just always there, right? So is that a fact? You know, it's hard to prove, right? Because how are you going to get the, the case study and, and then you're going to have to get that girl who's always blowing up and, and staying in shape to actually just stay in shape. So it's, but it seems to be what happens. It seems to be like from what I see, the girls with the smallest waistlines are the girls that are always in shape, right? Mm -hmm. Is that causation or is that just because those girls have always been in shape? They're just naturally more petite. I don't know, you know, but it, it's a hard thing to prove. But it, what, it, what I can say is it looks like that. Over the long run, it looks like that. And the men's physique guys are another good example of that, that even bodybuilders recognize, right? So I don't know. Um, I always like to take this stuff that people are talking about and see and like, okay, how does this apply to bikini? How can I maximize this for my success? Um, and that's, that's why I've kind of, another reason I've been, strong on the, Hey, let's keep it tight in the off season. You know, let's get that waistline as small as it can be. You know, Heck let's, yeah. let's keep it clean in the foods to minimize, um, you know, your, your, the maximize your digestion and minimize, um, any, you know, weird foods that are causing you to blow and whatnot. Cause we can minimize that throughout the year. Yeah. There's a little bit of suffering that's involved there, but look at your waistline at the end of the year. You're trying to be the world champ. You know, mm -hmm. it's like any other sport it requires sacrifice all year. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're trying to be, you know, the local hero, then yeah, you probably get away with it, but let's not, let's, line up the goal with the actions you know i like that i like that yeah. so i have a question for you adam and i've never asked you this question on a live podcast before um so i'm really curious to hear what you have to say about this um can i go pee yes <laughs> serious. I've, I've like i drank so much water before you're this in podcast. full arnold zone let's do it <laughs> okay. okay well here's some more I gotta go you, live. Can, you can either so pause great. it or you can. I'll go live for the Instagram. This is so great. Okay. I love it. <laughs> right before. This is the importance of water, guys. She's getting ready for the Arnold. Right she's getting ready for the Arnold and water consumption is high. Okay, let's go into water consumption while she's getting going, going and getting rid of some of it. <laughs> so my recommendation on water consumption is uh, a varying amount. You'll see some people do one gram. I'm sorry. You'll see some people just do one gallon. And um, in Europe, they do, you know, three to four liters is kind of like the rule. Um, so I use it as a marker for weight. So everyone's going to be different. If I gave Big Rammy one gallon of water and he's, you know, 300 pounds in the off season, how would that make any sense to give Ashley one gallon of water in the in season, right? This, they're 120 pounds versus 300 pounds, but they're both saying, hey, one gallon of water, right? So I do it per pound of weight. So one ounce per pound or 2.2 ounces per kilogram if you're in kilos uh, is how I'll, I'll do the markers on water. So now we're just, now we're just filling, filling time. <laughs> let's look at, let's look at her other questions that she has. Okay. I'm going to make sure to ask some of them that aren't, that aren't uh, ones that she'll love. Cause there's a suit one in here and I know that she's going to love the, um, love the suit questions. Okay. So one of them is expectations, expecting too much too soon, um, assuming you're going to win and setting yourself up for potential disappointment. So I like that a lot because I think one of the things that, that Ashley will get a lot of, and we'll get a lot of it at shows too as a, as a group, is people will, I guess, want they'll want Ashley to be, and here she is, they'll want Ashley to be like more of a, mm, how do I say it? They want Ashley to be more like coming in here like, no, I'm going to win this show. I'm going to win this show. And Ashley never does, right? She never acts like that. And, and the reason it's not a confidence issue, it's a reality issue of the sport. Like you guys need to understand, I'm asking the, the question, oh, like uh, the expectations of, no, I'm just showing you um, the expectations, like having expectations. The, the reality is it's bikini. And if you're trying to be, you know, happy doing bikini sport, you need to understand you're going to have huge fluctuations. There's going to be some weird things that happen in bikini it is the most subjective division out of all divisions. So you'll see Ashley and like, it's funny because you'll even have, you just have people like, why is Ashley always so humble? Why is she always this? I'm like, yeah, she is humble. And that's great. A great attribute that you have, but also she's realistic. It's not like necessarily just a humility thing. 
or it's, it's definitely not a confidence thing. Like she knows that she's, you know, she knows she's the best that there ever was. And, um, <laughs> like that's not a hidden, like it's facts, that's data, you know? And, but it's, it's reality, you know, at any day she can go from first to fifth, even at a local show, like at a, at a, if you want to call it at a local show, like there could be four girls from Russia who show up that we've never seen before that are just like, where were these girls born? Like, where were they, what were they doing their whole life? And then just, you know, and then, and the judge maybe said that Ashley was too hard one day. And even though she wasn't in the same shape as she was another time where he just thought she was too hard, maybe the lights were a little harder or whatever, and she can get hurt. So like, it's, that's important to know that even someone like Ashley does that. So you guys need to have that same mentality. You might get first call out at USA's and then go to nationals and get, you know, third call out and think, oh man, I'm getting worse. I'm getting worse. It could have just been 10 better girls there that day. You know, it could have been a different, a different lighting that really messed things up for you. And you looked too hard. Maybe you overshot your conditioning. Like it doesn't mean you're getting worse. You had, maybe you had, maybe you're even better, you know, at that scenario. So something I think that's really good that you put into is your expectations, you know, and I don't know how you manage those. You've been very good at managing those. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm a realistic person in general. Um, a lot of people confuse that with being pessimistic or like you said, I'm confident, but that's not the case. I just don't look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and I know how it goes. You know, I think a bikini comes with a whole bunch of surprises. Yeah. It could be anyone's day on any given scenario, you know? So I always say, Hey, I'm going to bring my best. I'm, I feel good about my package I'm bringing. If I really do, I will say that. Um, and I'm excited to see how I display it on stage and we'll see what happens. I feel good about it, but I will never say, yeah, I'm going to win the show. Even if I'm going against unknowns, like you said, cause you never know. They, let me say something just because I've won before doesn't put me in a better position. The judges show no mercy when it comes to that. If I'm not the best that day, I'm not getting first. Doesn't matter what my name is. Doesn't matter how many shows I've competed in and won. Doesn't matter. I'm a number on the show day. And if I don't look good, they're not going to place me first. Yeah. So. And I will say too, there's a, it's, it happens. It's not as common as a occurrence, but it does happen for someone like you who competes a lot. They know what your best is. And if, even if you're a little bit off of your best, even if you're the best at that show, that'll still go against you a little bit. You still might win the show, but they're like, well, she's not her best. You right. Know I mean? The and wow factors. And yeah. it's like, you know, I think that is something, there's something to be said about the wow factor where it's like, you know, somebody steps on stage and like, whoa, great. Which if I've, if I don't look as good as, as I have before, they're not going to have that wow factor. It's not going to come through like that. Yeah. And I've had, you know, I've had judges say, say that to me before where they're like, yeah, well, she's been a little, I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, she's still the best today though. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, but it doesn't always work out that way. That's bikini, you know, that's mm -hmm. just, it is what it is. You know, it's a subjective sport. So, um, so yeah, I think that that's real important. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I will have, I've had some really good athletes over the years who did one show, maybe didn't get the place in they wanted and then they just stopped competing. You know, I, re I still remember there was one I had like, it was like 10 years ago and that one bothered me so much. I still think about it because the girl was so good. Like I was like, she's Olympia good and she lost. And honestly, I think it, that day was honestly, the judging was off. Uh, she was an amateur. She ended up getting like fifth or sixth. And I was like, how did she not win the whole show? Like it still, it still blew my mind because she had everything going for her. Like it just, it just didn't make sense. And, um, she just never competed again. She was like, yeah, she's like, I always had really high confidence and always felt good. And after I got off stage, it was like the only time I ever had like low confidence and like second guessed myself and my look and everything. And I just, it's not good for me mentally. And I just don't want to do it. And I was like, Hey, I'm not going to argue with you about it, but you, you must've gotten overlooked. Like everything was perfect that day on you. And you just, you do another show, you'll win the whole thing. But it, you know, she just never did. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's such a shame. It is. It has, she's so good too. But, oh. and you know, I always, I, I always say this too. Every single Olympia champion has gotten a placing that they weren't happy about with, you know, that every Olympia champion has probably even, you know, gotten out of the top five at a, at a national show or whatever. Not, you, you see, champions at the Olympia and you think, oh yeah, the rise to the top, they were just probably winning everything. And then just all W's all the way up until they, they won the Olympia. That's not the case. Nope, 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 nope. We've even had Olympia champions at place like 16th place yeah. at like nationals before, which for you guys that aren't aware of how the sport works, six, six, once you get 16th place or tie for 16, that means you're, they no longer place you. Yeah. You're just could be in last call out. You could be in fourth call. Out, who knows? Um, so it isn't necessarily 
the ones that had the easiest rise to the top that won the Olympia. It's the ones that stuck with it because they knew that there's always going to be some rough patches. There's going to be times, there's going to be shows that you're just confused. You're like, what did I do wrong? Um, It just didn't go your way. You're going to have preps that are bad. You're going to have shows where, honestly, other girls look better than you, you know? But that doesn't mean that's your final form. Just, you know, learn from whatever mistake you made or improve on any body part you need to improve on. But no one's rise to the top is as smooth as people think. And if you look into the contest history of the girls that are placing so well at the Olympia, you'll find like back then, back in the day, years ago, they might have gotten some 16th places just like you did. So they stuck with it and they made those improvements. So just because you didn't place well, at your first show or your first few shows or any random show throughout the year doesn't mean that you're not a good athlete. That doesn't mean that you don't have potential. You certainly do if you stick with it and learn from those mistakes. Yeah, and I think a good example of that, and I'm only going to say your name because she talked about it before too a couple of times was Angelica. You know, she had, um, you know, when she she wasn't coming out and winning every pro show when she first, she worked her way up and then, you know, she's the, got the second most Olympia titles, you know, in the world, which is like crazy to think about. She just didn't come out and win every single show. So it was, it's, it's really cool. I like to see when people make improvements, make improvements and like get there and climb their way there, you know, and it just shows that everyone has that within them. You know, it's not necessarily just genetic and, and God-given talent, but some of it is your hard work, you know, your hard work you put into it too. And I think that that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the discouraging things about our sport is that a lot of people are like, you know, I don't have the genetics, I don't have the genetics. And I'm like, well, you don't even really know if you have the genetics. And the good thing about bikini is there's a, there's a ceiling of muscle that you can have. And because there's a ceiling, yeah, someone like Ashley, maybe she'll get her structure and her muscle amount there in two years and maybe it'll take you five, but the ceiling is still there. Like now at a certain point, she can't get any more muscular, but you could still catch up, mm-hmm. right? So that's the cool thing is like, it has a, it's like a neutral, it's a neutral playing field in terms of what you can maximize, like how much you can get, right? So yep. that's why I like, I like that. And in bodybuilding, you know, it's, it's not like that. You, know, you can keep getting bigger and getting bigger and getting bigger. And it really is like, yeah, genetically, you, you could get bigger. You just keep, you know, some guy can just get bigger than others. You know, who's going to, who really can be as big as Nick and Rami? Like very, very few people in the world. And that's a pretty big limiting factor, right? So you have to work on your, your aesthetics if you're going to compete against them. But in bikini, it's, uh, you know, there's a, the, the ceiling is not out of range. You know, everyone can get there eventually. Bikini these days is a lot more muscular than it used to be. So yeah, it might take you five years, which used to take you two. So you have to be realistic about that, but you can get there. So most, most people can. Yes. Um, there are some genetic limiting factors, but for the most part, I mean, just keep going. So yeah, like waistlines and things. Yeah. Like that. yeah so there's yeah. things genetically that we can't change. We know this, no matter how hard you work and, and all that, some people will be too, uh, lacking too much symmetry or how do I say structural, it? structural things yeah. like symmetry might be off. They might have, you know, but if, if we're talking about like, for the most part, you know, just keep going. And you never know what you're capable of because just going back to what I was saying previously, we all have our pluses and minuses. Yeah. So work with what you got. Yeah. So I like that. Yep. Yep. So um, let's talk a little bit about diet mistakes that people make. Um, you know, I would say first and foremost, having an unrealistic diet to start with is setting yourself up for disaster. So if you're, for example, 20 weeks out and your coach has you doing uh, tilapia and asparagus five times a day. That's it. Like, do you think you can really keep that up for how long? You know, maybe, maybe you can keep it up for that 20 weeks. That would be so hard, but maybe. Um, but then afterwards, then what? Yeah. Do you think your body is just going to be like, yeah, I'll keep doing this? Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. So, you know, it's no matter how much determination you have, it would be very unrealistic to think that you're going to have a good off season after that, <laughs> you know, you're probably just like, Oh my God, give me everything to eat now. Yeah. Cause I've been so starved for the, for the past 20 uh, weeks or whatever. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. I think that the, one of the things that I'll say to people is if the diet now there's no contest prep diet for the most part that people can maintain forever. But what I will say is if the results, you, if the way that you got the results is unsustainable, then the results are unsustainable. Right? So it's important to, to understand that what your own limiting factors are with that. Maybe you're a machine and you could do that forever. Maybe you're that person. You're that, 
you know, marginal 1%, whatever that is. Very few people can do that. So just understand that your results are probably not going to be sustainable if that's the only way you know how to get in shape. And that's the people you see doing that cyclical diet. You know, they're like, oh, I'm just going to eat whatever and be free. And then I'm going to crush myself and get ready for a show. I'm going to eat whatever and be free and then crush myself, you know, and, and you see it constantly on Instagram. And then they, they basically will kind of, um, I don't know, what do you call it? Like you're highlighting the off season type of thing. You're like kind of almost like rationalizing and coping. Yeah. Yeah. And just being like, Hey, um, you know, I, I need this. Yeah, I need, I'm like, no, you just need a different, uh, like you're, if you just found the approach that worked for you, you know, the best diet is one you can stick to. So yes. whatever that is for you, even if it takes longer to get there, yeah. at least it's a more consistent yeah. diet that you can hang on to for longer time. Yeah. So our diets that we do, we have options within them. So we don't do like a macro diet because we want to get the most precise data we can. And you're not, you're just not going to get that with just doing a pure macro diet. I mean, as you could see, if you do any research, you'll find that food labels are notoriously off. So if you do like, so we'll have, let's say a, like a, a meat, we'll put six different meats, seven different meat options. You get that option. You have a carb option. Any, like there's like eight, nine different carb options. There's like 12 different veggie options, like that type of thing. You just kind of select and make it from there. And if that's not enough flexibility for you, and we have the same thing with fats and fat with carbs and all that too. And if that's not all the flexibility for you, then you can have maybe a free meal once a week, right? And you can find that free meal where, okay, I can look forward to that free meal once a week and that's going to keep me sane. And if that's not enough for you, well, then maybe after your workout, we could give you some type of um, sugar post-workout where you kind of have that, that free sugar carb or that free carb post-workout, right? But you're still sticking, everything else is clean. You just have that 30 carbs after your workout, whatever it is where you could do whatever you want because you need that every day. And maybe you're doing gummy bears or something like that, right? Whatever, whatever makes you happy. Um, and if that's not enough and you still are struggling with your diet, maybe you could do one macro meal per day. Maybe your dinner is just like a macro meal and you enjoy it with your family and you make it fit however you need to. Um, occasionally when you're going out to a date, you do, you combine two of those meals for one macro meal on a Friday, whatever, right? But the thing is you're still collecting data. You're still staying on plan. You're still, which is most important. You're saying you're staying sane. You know, that's what's really important because a lot of people just can't stay sane on that tilapia asparagus diet. I, I, I could. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Right. I mean, or even having it on your menu to begin with for me, like, cause you know, I don't eat yeah. seafood. So if, if I had that on my diet, I'd be like, eh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just not do the show. <laughs> not, yeah. So there, were, there was a time in my life where I was pretty hardcore and I would do things like that. And I was like, just thinking to myself, to get back in that mindset, I'm so far away from like, I don't know what it would take for me to get back in them. I don't know if I ever could again, but the, the reality is, is most people are going to break at that some point. So find what works for you. Talk to your coach, be open with them. You know, there's no badge of honor in being hardcore for X amount of weeks. And then just knowing you're just waiting to mess up. Like, I just can't, I like, you're just can't wait for the show to be done so you can eat all your food, you know? Yeah. I was just thinking like, if you're, if you're already like 12 weeks out and already just thinking about your cheat meal that you're going to have after the show every single day. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're you got a long way up. to go. Yeah. You know something? I never even think about what I'm going to have after a show. Oh yeah. I always think like, Oh, I want to take a shower, man. It's all <laughs> sticky and got this tan. I smell like a spray tan. Yeah. With, with <laughs> Ashley, we don't plan dinners after shows yeah, anymore. Cause I'm like, you know, cause you know, I learned, I'm like, you know, it sounds good in the moment, but then after a show, I just want to shower. I don't know if the time will permit. I don't want to feel rushed. Sometimes this when I sleep, but I'm not thinking about what I'm going to have after the Arnold. Some people are already researching their restaurants after the, show. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll be hungry. I don't know. Yeah. They have those, uh, what do they, they call it, um, they call it food porn, right? But they look like they save all yeah. their foods like and the Instagram and then they have, they save all and they have them. They have their crumble cookies. They have all this stuff. And I'm like, get it shipped to their hotel room in big boxes. Yeah. Oh my. And it's almost like this, like, I mean, it's the, the reward is very overdone, you know? And, um, it's, it's just unfortunate because it, you're in the most sensitive state you're ever going to be in at that point. Like you're at the biggest, farthest, most extended point of diet you're really likely to put on body fat at a really fast rate. Your, your metabolism at its lowest it's going to be at that point. Like, and then you just give your body this huge influx of calories and fats, which is, you know, fats are the most likely thing to be stored as fat. Mm -hmm. And then you, and then you, you know, you two weeks later, you're up 15 pounds, like, like literally like that. And then you send your coach an email. Cause you didn't check in the week after the show. You send it to your coach an email two weeks later. You're like, yeah, I messed up. Now I want to get this off of me. And I'm like, cool. I'd be happy to help get this off you, but we're still not corrected metabolically from the first 
from your from your prep, we're still not even there. You think because you gained weight, you're correct now metabolically? Like you're you're you've you've post show dieted, you've reverse dieted. No, you just ate a lot. You yeah. might be a little bit faster at this point, but you're not through the reverse process yet. We still have to go through that, and you're probably going to gain a little bit of weight through that. So now we're going to instead of being 15 pounds, now you're up 20 pounds, and there's nothing I can do about it because we, if we just start dieting you down, you're going to do the same thing again. Like so, it's it's you set yourself up really fast for that, and I mean. People mess up before they know it. You know, I've done it. I can't, I can't. We all have. I have done it. Too. I did it three times. The last time I did it, I threw up and I was like, okay, this is stupid. I'm eating to the point where I'm throwing up. Like, like I just couldn't keep it down, you know? And I was like, okay, this is stupid. What am I doing? I worked so hard for this. And then I just throw it out the window. Like the, the accumulated amount of wasted time that in our industry like if you think about like a dollar amount, let's, like that'd be a really funny thing to think about, right? Like the accumulated wasted amount of time. Like let's say the average person makes like $30 an hour, $25 an hour, right? And they're doing an hour of cardio twice a day and then they just, and they lose X amount of fat, but then they gain X amount back that week. <laughs> like the accumulated wasted amount of time is probably billions of dollars, <laughs> billions and billions of dollars wasted on treadmill and steering uh, within the first two weeks post-show. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like so much time gone. Not to mention that all that food after a show, your digestion is going to be so messed up. Yeah. Your digestion, you're... You're going to feel like whatever the heck you ate is still in there the next week. <laughs> I know for me, even like, you know, having foods you haven't had in a while, it's like, ah, you know, sometimes a lot of girls have problems with that. And I think in general with prep itself, a lot of girls tend to have digestion issues. Yeah. So, you know, it's not, not going to help it. Um, so another thing to um, mention as well, as far as diet mistakes we make is unaccounted for macros. So being kind of loosey goosey with the macros, you know, you might be like, oh yeah, um, I'm just going to use this, this ketchup on my, my food and not really measure or, you know, it's the full sugar ketchup too. We're not going to bother getting the sugar free because the sugar free is like $3 more. Um, but like, let's say you're like, oh yeah, no big deal. And then just get loosey goosey with it. But by the end of the week, you notice, oh my gosh, the whole bottle is gone. And then when you start to think about it, if you do that day after day and do that with a several different things like coffee creamer or not being precise or being like, oh, I ran out of chicken, so I'm just going to use steak for every meal. They add up. The, yeah. the macros add up. And then when you wonder why you're not losing weight, it's because you're going over what you think you are. Yeah. And you know what, Ashley, I want to, I always like, so I always, I love the people who are fitness entrepreneurs, you know, the fitness people who take their sport and turn it into something. Uh -huh. I have a client, you met him a long time ago. His name's Austin. Mm -hmm. He was a years ago, him and his wife, they started a sauce company and they sent me, it's not out yet. So I, it's like, I'm a promo, but they can't even, you can't get it yet. Okay. It's called dipped sauces. I'm gonna get you a bottle. They sent me one the other day. It's like a trial. Ooh. And um, he's been working on it for, I want to say like over a year. And it's just cool. Cause like, it's like a fitness guy who, yeah. you know, and um, he sent me a bottle, all these sauces. And I was like, uh, I was like, whatever, he's my buddy. I'll try it. You know, give, mm -hmm. him, give him my thing, you know, tell him it's good. You know, that type of thing. You know, it's like my buddy, you know, so, but I was, it's, it's so, it's so stupid good. The ketchup. I can't even like, I'm not trying to promote it. You can't buy it. So it doesn't matter, but it's so good. I'm going to get you a bottle. It like completely changed my ketchup life and a sugar-free ketchup. And this I was, I don't understand how it's so good. It doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. So anyway, shout out to shout out to them. But uh, dipped yeah, dip sauces on Instagram, D-I-P-D. But uh, you, you can't even get it yet. But I guess when they get it, you guys maybe support a, another NPC competitor. <laughs> I'll get you something. It's so good. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, as far as the macros go, um, I think that that is one of, the, one of the things that people do all the time. And what's funny is you'll see people do it when they're, you'll see, as a coach, you see these things. And what'll happen is they're getting kind of, they're getting results and it's going okay. You know, they're getting kind of results, you know? And then as soon as like eight weeks out starts, just the results just start kicking in and you're like, what's going on? Like you should be getting less results now at eight weeks out than you were at 16 weeks out when you started, like at 16 weeks out, you start, everything should be flying by. And then your body should be kind of fighting you a little bit at mm -hmm. the eight week out marker, right? When you're getting leaner, it fights you because you've been doing it longer and you're leaner. And, um, and then they're like, you know, the intensity, of course, is one thing, but also those little things and the adherence to diet is 100% at that point. Because they're like, they start saying, oh, I think I'm a little behind. I better start counting every single thing. And then come two weeks out, they're like, yeah, I think what it is is I was, I was having these little 
you know, sneaky snacks, like we call them, <laughs> or these extra ketchups or these extra Naughty sauces. nibbles. Naughty nibbles. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that actually, maybe it doesn't. I know. T-shirt. I was like, well. Oh, that actually could go different yeah, ways. Yeah. yeah, that could go. <laughs> that can go a different way. Sneaky snacks. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or, or peanut butter drips. You know, you know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. Like, know let's about. say somebody has on their plan like a tablespoon of peanut butter, oh. but you know they put this tablespoon in. Oh, look, there's some drippage coming. You don't yeah. want to just waste it, and you don't want to just rinse it off. So you're just gonna lick it off. Man, peanut butter is dangerous. Peanut butter is a really it's dangerous. It's so one. calorie dense. It's, it's so easy yeah. to just. Whoops! Accidentally had 400 extra calories. Yeah. Whoopsie. It's a. Uh, <laughs> The yeah, especially with newbies, with new people, they're because a lot of them are still under the impression that uh, peanut butter is a protein. Oh, God you know, bless their. Heart. I know it, peanut butter is a fat, guys. Peanut butter is a fat. It's it has a little bit of protein in it, but it has more fat than proteins. I think it's like a uh, twelve grams per seven grams of protein, twelve grams of fat, something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> so depending on the peanut butter, of course, but yeah. So people sometimes think, oh, it's just a little bit more protein. No, it's it's pretty much pure fat. It's the highest calorie dense thing there is. So <laughs> like fat is the highest color dance. So, yeah. so so be careful with yeah. those sneaky snacks and unaccounted for macros because they add up over time, you know, can't be a loosey goosey with it. Yeah. You got to You got to really measure things and, and be careful with the, everything. And I've heard the stories too. It's like somebody would have a client that would have like a certain coffee drink every, every day only to find out like months later, Oh, I didn't know this coffee had that many calories in it. Yeah. You know, yeah, because they make it with heavy cream and, and whipped cream and sugar and yeah. Remember, I yeah. did that in Japan. Did it like yeah. ruined my life? <laughs> also ruined your life. Ruined my life. Oh, <laughs> those so, accidental calories are the worst. That was the worst one. Yeah, you've done it once with the the root Diet, beer. The yeah. root beer, yeah. We did. See, mine's zero sugar. I always double check it really closely too. Now these days, I'm like, okay, it says zero sugar. It's okay. so it's so funny because it was like really. To be honest, when you look at it, it was like just straight dumb of me. You know, it was like yeah. one of the dumbest things. Like I, I know better than that. And I was in uh, Japan and there was these coffees and I love coffee. And um, in Japan, they have these like bottled coffees at these 7-Elevens, but they're all in Japanese. And it said, what did it say? 80 calories or something like yeah, that? Yeah, but the way they do it is like per grams or something per 100 gram or something. <laughs> or they do it weird like that. Yeah. Our nutrition labels say our, the total calories. Yes. You have to do math with theirs. Yeah. In every other country, it seems like you have to do like the math. You have to add it up and divide and all that so stuff. So this is like my favorite thing in Japan. I was drinking them like, you know, like I was just drinking. <laughs> I was to drink like four or five a day because we were walking the whole time. And mm-hmm. they were just at every 7-Eleven or whatever they're called. Value Marts or what are they called? Family them? Mart. <laughs> family Mart. Let's all go to Family Mart. <laughs> <laughs> that was the those family marts were everywhere there and they had them and they were like whatever two dollars whatever it was in the u.s and um the yeah so i looked at it and i kept drinking them for days and then ashley's like you know that's uh 80 gram 80 calories per 100 was it 100 grams right not, i yeah. can't even remember but it, it was multiple servings per it was, small bottle yeah it was f- either 400 or 400 it was four servings yeah it was four servings of 80 cal- so i was drinking 360 calories per bottle and I was drinking like five of them a day. And it was like pure sugar. And oh. I was like, I was so heartbroken too because I had nothing to drink. Out of that. I was like, oh. back to Diet Coke. Oh, no. <laughs> that was tragic. I was so mad that I wasted all that. All that. That was the most, that's the last time I drank sugar. Happens to the best of us though. I did so much of it. It was days worth. It was probably mm. like 6,000 calories worth of those because it was like four days worth before I caught it. Yeah. Every once in a while, I will have one of those mishaps happen to me too without like, I kind of assume like a label and then I'm like, oh shoot. Like I did it with the onions when I was in Spain or something. It was like a jar of onions. I'm like, oh, onions, whatever. I eat onions all the time, but they were pickled onions, but I didn't realize they added extra sugars in there. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) shoot. I've been just having all these loosey goosey accidental calories. My bad. But that happens sometimes. So just be careful, especially when you're overseas. (laughs) So anyway, that's pretty, that was a funny one. So wait, what's is that? Is that what we got for today? We're at the we got. hour that's marker time, here. Yeah. All right. Well, Ashley, I guess it's going to be a little while before they they see you. So yes. we all wish you the best. Thank drop you. drop Ashley a good luck comment in there yeah. in our in here below and and let us know if you're coming to the Arnold Classic. Adam's going to come. I'm yeah. going to be there. 
And uh, don't forget the Meet the Athletes event on Thursday from 7 to 9. So I'll be there hopefully to meet you guys. And yeah, I'll be there too. Yes, he'll be there as well. So big, be a big happy family. Don't be shy. Come say hi. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Well, Ashley, let's get the season started. I know that you're not going to disappoint. You always are. Uh, I know that you're excited for the season too. I know you're already talking about doing shows and, oh, yeah. and hopefully having a good run this year too. Oh, yeah. Compete yeah? a lot. Piss everyone off. Let's do it. <laughs> Ashley's in the zone. This is the first show of the year. We're excited for it. It's always the hardest, but hey, yeah. once, once after this, it's it's easy sailing. I shouldn't say easy because it's never easy, but it's smooth sailing. Like, smooth sailing. Yeah. Yes. It's just... Okay, we're remember, remember when calm now. Bikini had like fluctuations where you could be like ninety five percent and like still, you know. Now it's yeah, like yeah, there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no room no. for that, especially at the Arnold. Gosh, yeah, especially at the Arnold. It's one of those big shows, just like the Olympia. When people ask me, is it fun? I say not fun, but exciting. Yeah, there's a difference. The nervous tension. There's like, nervous. It's like much more pressure, a lot more riding on my shoulders. Whereas like, you know, backstage at a, a, a local show is like, you know, oh, loosey goosey talking to my friends, whatever. But it's like so high pressure at the Arnold and Olympia. It's like, okay, so many people are going to watch me. Oh <laughs> so yeah, well, but it'll, it'll be a great way to start the season off with a bang. Yeah. I, I do like how the season's starting though. That's cool. Yeah. You know, it ends with the ends with the Olympia, starts with the Arnold. I don't know if that's why they dropped the legends or, or what the reason was for that. But I don't know. That's a good question. But it, it makes sense to the season, you know, and how it goes. But I, I guess eventually yeah. that's going to go away anyway, since they're going to move the Olympia up, um, probably back to the original date originally. Eventually, uh, November, uh, I think, is eleventh or second. Yeah, and then they're they're going to probably work it back to October. I don't know. Well, it's already getting pretty close, so maybe mm. they won't. I'm mm. not sure. Yeah. Anyway, well, guys, thank you so much. We always appreciate it, and we'll talk to you. I guess in a couple weeks. Bye.